Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 294th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that's always ready to gather the greatness in our spec box. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week, as always, is Travis Allen at Wizard Bumpin on Twitter. And we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, James. Glad to be here and looking forward to sharing some hopefully valuable information with all of you. Our show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Travis, what is on our agenda this week? Oh, this week we will start off with segment one, our MTGO Metagame Week in Review. We have a modern premiere as well as a modern challenge back-to-back to to discuss uh, some top paper movers. Uh, I'm going to give you a hint about what set they're all related to, as well as the top MTGO movers. Segment three, our cards to watch. James and I will run through a few cards you want to keep your eye on. And segment four, our topic of the week, the October Super Drop Secret Layer featuring, I don't well, I don't think it's, stuff. yeah, it's not the most embarrassing licensed product they've done so far. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah, it's we'll, not. We'll get there. It's we'll not. Get there. So we'll, there. we'll start over here on the modern premiere uh, on the 17th, taken down by Shardless Footfalls here. So Shardless Agent, uh, you know, we have been a couple, I feel like it's been a couple weeks maybe, but right here back at the top, when the money's on the line, he's putting up results. We see Shardless in the top eight pretty, like pretty much every week in one of the challenges. It was first and third in the modern challenge on October 3rd, uh, took the week off last week, but here yeah. we find it back in first. Probably the more interesting version is the one that finished in eighth because they were running three Merktide re- Regent in the main. Hmm. Uh, leads me to wonder whether against the blue-red Murktide decks, they just figured if you can't beat them, join them. Like, you drop a region, I'll drop a regent, and then we're still at parity. That's an interesting choice because you have to find a way to get these spells into your graveyard. Um, They're a little light on mechanics for that. I suppose you have... Because if you cast Brazen Borrower as an adventure, that goes to your graveyard, right? Um, you've got your dead and you're gone. You can cast Fire and Ice. Like, there's some choices. Force and Negation. I feel like you're going to be paying a little higher of a price for those Murktide Regents there. But even still, that's a curious tech since it does give them an, another angle that their opponents might not be prepared for. I guess part of it is that they're running the full. They're running four hieroglyphic illumination yeah. in that version, which is not a card we've seen in Shardless Footfalls to date. And indeed, I don't think it shows up in the first place list. Uh, nope, it doesn't. Uh, so they do have the potential to cycle into or draw cards and then later ditch them. Of course, 
fetch lands in this format tend to contribute to the size of the graveyard as well. But yeah, I mean, they don't have as, it doesn't seem like they have as much going on uh, on that front as the blue red decks do. But again, four dead and gone, four fire and ice, four force negation, and four hieroglyphic illumination, four violent outburst, and a prismari command is 21 instants. Um, to get in, get them into the graveyard, and when you cra- when you cast a crashing footfalls off Shardless Agent, the creatures go into play, but the spell goes into the yard, so that helps. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's you have some ways to, to fuel it. It's not the same as if you were playing, you know, like a, just a straight Ragavan blue red deck where you can put five or six spells in your graveyard on turn two to three. Uh, yeah, I agree. Which is why I mean, I'm, I, you're you're probably going to pay like four for your Murktides instead of two. Um, but that's fine because your opponent now has to deal with the Murktide while they're also worried about your Shardless setting something up. So in second and third in this tournament, four-color Yurion, Yurion back-to-back. Um, it wasn't a big week for Luris in these two tournaments. Uh, Luris deck, there's only one Luris deck out of the, the two top eights, but there was uh, multiple Yurions and then multiple Kahiras because all the blue-white control lists run a Kahira in the sideboard as their companion. So there was actually more Kahira's total than there was Yurion's or Luris's. Hmm. Well, there you go. Go buy extended art foil Kahira's. I feel like we called that at some point. seems like it's unlikely that we didn't. It was either that or the Dawn Waker, the red-white one. Let's see. Kahira, extended art foils, 25. So not not a discount per se, but not terribly expensive. How deep is the inventory? Uh, I didn't get that far yet. TCG player was running a little clunky for me today. Yeah, they were down for a while. The um, the blue-white decks aren't going anywhere. They're putting up a lot of results here. There's a fourth-place finish here uh, in the Modern Premier event, and then they were second and fourth in the Modern Challenge on the same day, October 17th. Probably the most interesting list in this Premier was the BTL Scape Shift list. Notable because... I think the primetime scapeshift Valakit lists have been struggling to find the correct configuration in this meta. It seems to they pop up here and there, but they they tend to bounce around. And in this case, they've definitely decided that primetime, again, primetime Primeval Titan is not where they want to be. They're not running any copies of it in the main, um, but they are running three Arboreal Grazer, four Dryad of the Elysian Grove. You have the kind of ever-present set of Planeswalkers in these colors, three Teferi Time Raveler and three Renin Six. They just are the best and almost only Planeswalkers in the format at this point. You don't see a lot of Liliana of the Veil these days. You don't see a lot of Jace the Mind Sculptor. Um, but you do see a lot of three-mana Teferi and two-mana Renin Six. Yeah, it turns out when you just print a bunch of Planeswalkers at two and three, eventually some of them are going to be good. Extended Art... Hmm? Only a single copy of Scapeshift in this list as well, but four Bring Delight to go get it. Yeah. And then three Omnath, Locus of Creation. I think because you don't want an unholy heat answering your Primeval Titan before it gets a chance to re- to do anything. And well, for one mana against your six, whereas Omnath draws a card as it comes into play and then starts to accrue additional value beyond that. Yeah, I mean, like, it, the, so this is what always made Primeval Titan. Well, before, hold on, before I finish that thought, uh, 19 listings for Kahira. Nobody's got more than two. The low is 23. Um, so that's, you know, there's a grand total of 25 foil copies out there. And, oh, boy, there are five foil copies that sold in the last two days. Uh, and pretty good foil sell-through on these Kahiras, even back through last month 
it's a little more a little more sales this month in October now that the challenge happened. But even going back through September, this sells foils every day or two. Um, so with 19 listings left, that might be a buy at 22. Now, Blue White Control staples have been doing very well lately, um, as we're going to see later in the cast. Solitude, Mystic Gate, Hallowed Fountain, lots of stuff on the move. Um, and I think, you know, Force of Negation and uh, Archmage's Charms in fancy versions out of MH2 are probably going to do very well inside a year. So it does beg the question whether Kahira is a target. I think part of that depends on whether you believe that companions as a whole will get nixed or whether Wizards has, will just decide to embrace them as a defining characteristic of this format. Well, I mean, I would like to see companions go personally, but at the moment it doesn't feel like we're there. Yeah. Um, as for Primeval Titan, what I was going to say is that, uh, I mean, having your Primeval Titan die to whatever that six mana, one mana, six damage spell is, or Unholy Heat or whatever, is a bummer. Uh, but at the same time, like the beauty of Primeval Titan was always that if it resolves, you got two lands in play and then they had to spend something to deal with it. So, uh, you know, you kind of paid some money, some mana for your, you, you paid for kind of two rampant growths at the same time, but you, you were never, you were never down that far in that exchange. Cause you got that, those two lands right up top. Yeah. I mean, apparently we- Remains to be seen whether this will be the the new standard iteration of this strategy, but so far they seem content to BTL and escape shift when they need to grab Omnath as they choose. There's even a Valky God of Lies, and I believe that off Bring to Light they get to flip it to the good side right off the bat. Uh, probably. I'm gonna say probably. The, it's the only way that it's the only way that make any sense for it to be here. Yeah. So then we had a blue-red Merktide in 6th, Jund in 7th, which is the the aforementioned Lurus deck of the week. And then Shardless Footfalls with those three Merktide regions in 8th. Over in the Modern Challenge event, Charbelcher took the whole thing down. We've seen this before, but it doesn't happen too often. Uh, it was closer to the release of ZNR last year where the Charbelcher decks popped up on the back of all of the uh, DFC flip mythic lands out of ZNR that I never shut up about. Uh, this one's got 12 of them total, four Turn Timber Symbiosis, uh, four Shatter Skull Smashing, which was a pick of mine recently, and four Amiria's Call, which is the white one, and they have a bunch of the uncommon ones like Balaget Recovery and so on and so forth, um, alongside a bunch of Storm-looking elements like Desperate Ritual, Manamorphose, Pact of Negation, and Pact of the Titan, Pyretic Ritual, Spike Field Hazard, and Valakut Awakening, which is also a very good, has been a good, very good spec along the way here. For Blood Moon in the main, it, this format totally seems to be revolving around the low casting cost threats like Ragavan and then and the free spells. And then the answers to the decks, other decks in the format, being Channel uh, Chalice of the Void and Blood Moon, depending on whether you're trying to shut down Urza Saga and Tron lands or the under-costed uh, threats of the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's not that's like terribly surprising, but I it, this is definitely a very aggressive format in a way that it not always is. This has certainly got a bit of a different tenor than we've seen in modern in the past. The the Charbelcher taking first here is amusing because I look at that and I just think of somebody having had some tech that they were kind of camping on, like okay, like I'm I'm just gonna keep this in my back pocket and trot it out for worlds 
or the premiere or whatever. And then, you know, I'm not going to run it in the five O's and show people how good it is. I'm going to just drag it out because Char Belcher's at its best when no one's expecting it. It's interesting because the only combo style decks we've seen post up in this format regularly is a lot of Living End. In fact, Living End was fifth and sixth in this tournament. Uh, behind a blue-white control in fourth, again with Kahira, and then again blue-white control in seventh with Kahira, blue-red Murktide in eighth, finishing it off. So we've seen those living end decks, we've seen Velimachus turns here and there, and we've seen, um, I guess, black-green Yogmoth is kind of a Splinter Twin-esque deck where it's mid-range value stuff going on, and then they combo kill you out of nowhere if, they're, if they get the right combination of cards. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that the Yogmoth combo is... I don't, I don't know if I would call that combo myself, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I like, I think that, I, th- I think that there's some, there's some combo. You get, you know, the, the living end, the shardless, you know, Charbelcher peeking its head in, um, Yogmoths will, there was something else that was floating around too. So there's, you know, that's, that's, I mean, even two combo decks being up at the top of the format is kind of a lot generally for, for, for a format like this, I think. Like it's it's rare to have two combo decks be true tier one. Like normally it's one ish, and then you have others that sit on the the fringe that pop in and out. Yeah, and I think that's where we're at. Like Living End is the one that's posting up results one or two major tournaments a week, and then you see some of this other stuff pop up here and there. Ad nauseum has posted has posted top eights recently. Yeah, Dredge Dredge has shown up here and there. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. That's true too. Very, very broad format right now. It is, as we keep saying. All right, moving on over to the top paper movers of the week. Lots of action, mostly uh, zombie vampire Halloween themed. I think this whole double Halloween sets around Halloween thing is going to work out pretty well for Wizards. The I get the impression that lots of people like this stuff, and lots of people are building decks accordingly, casual and EDH because lots of the associated tribal cards are on the move and have been for weeks. Uh, we've got Memory Deluge out of Innistrad Midnight Hunt moving from 450 to 650. That's just the regular rares out of that, um, up 44%. That's on the back of standard and modern play. Foils also doubled to $10. That's, those are very respectable numbers for a, a rare that just came out. Uh, Lord of the Undead at a 10th edition is, of course, a zombie lord going from 20 to 30 on zombie hype. Bloodline Keeper out of Innistrad, 20 to 30. Sold one of those this week. Uh, up 50%. Vampires. Uh, Undead Warchief out of Scourge. Uh, Scourge foils, is nuts. Foils from 23 to 36. Zombie Hype. Zombie Master at a 6th, 15 to 28. Again, Zombie Hype. Um, 86% gains. I mean, this a lot of this stuff is the kind of things that show up when you buy collections. Oh you yeah. Put them aside because yeah, yeah. they're, they're two, three, four dollars, and you send them in in a bias or whatever. The guys like Douglas that are sitting on tons of that kind of inventory <laughs> must be having a field day exiting on this stuff for twenty, thirty, forty dollar bills. Yeah, I really. I, some of this I might have kicking around. I should go dig through my box. I won't because I'm busy with other nonsense. But yeah, like these cards, it's funny for me to look through this because 
Undead War Chief, Zombie Master, Bloodline Keeper, Lord of the Undead. Like I've seen so many of those over the years picking through collections because there's so many printings of them and none of them are terribly deep, but it's like, it didn't really matter what era of magic you played in. This card was probably in some product at some point in time there. So there's one or two floating around. Plus, you know, zombies and vampires a little less slow, but zombies have been a fan favorite tribe since the concept of tribes existed in magic. Uh, so there were pretty easy to find in casual collections i mean i was just off a comment that dj made on brainstorm brewery last week i was able to go through like the black casual portion of my personal collection and pull out 200 dollars worth of randomness that cost me nothing that's hmm. just opened in packs over the years or pulled out of like the super collection in 2015 or some of the other collections i bought there's just tons of value in these tribes right now and and the go the getting is good so get like this is you sell right now before they find some way to reprint some of this stuff. Yeah, or the or the hype train passes. You know, Halloween's in yep. two weeks, and come Thanksgiving, people are not quite as eager to cast zombies. You know. Yeah, we're closer to Christmas than anything else. By the time we get the second Innistrad set in hand, where's the Christmas themed tribe? That's what I need. <laughs> some like that's, evil that's Santas. A, that's elves. I mean, right? They should be elves. We. Oh my god, funny. are we gonna get it? We we must get another secret layer before. Christmas, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So, so for, what are the... There's a charity secret layer coming up for one, because there was a leak. Oh, yeah, yeah, Somebody yeah. Somebody leaked art for it this week. Yes, where they had the little kids draw pictures, and then artists, like, tried to convert for that into... For Crater Hoof. I think it was Crater Hoof. There were three or four. I know that. Because yeah. I, I saw, like, three of the artworks, I, I sure. remember. Um, but what are the odds that we see a elf secret layer? And it's, like, Lanmore Elves and Elvish Mystic... And like some other elves, and they're all Christmas themed, like hot, like Santa's elves. I mean, they should. That makes perfect sense to me. Okay, so. I, I wouldn't care for it, but others will. Right. So if that shows up, uh, I'm prescient. Yeah. And you should pay me to pick your lottery ticket numbers. Good thoughts. Yeah. So solitude from MH2 here foils from 42 to 82. Think about this for a second. This is a pack foil mythic from three months ago, at 82 dollars. And I've sold in the last 24 hours a English borderless solitude at 53. That's something There's another one. Sold, just sold. <laughs> well, 20 minutes ago, it was a Japanese borderless uh, solitude at 63. 52 on the English copy. Those, that are, those are very good exits from cracking MH2 CVs, right? Because those things are so well anchored by the future price of the fancy fetch lands. That to get out on a non-foil borderless mythic out of those at 50 or 60 bucks and cover a fifth of your box is as good as it gets, right? Like mm-hmm. That's an excellent exit. So I'd, I'm not, I'm happy to sell a solitude non-foils at this price. I think foils are probably a hold because I suspect that foil borderless solitudes are going to get up to 150 or so by, by next year. Yeah, I mean, so we have, let me... I don't, I don't mean January 1st, but somewhere in the next year. Yep. Midnight. Midnight 01. Uh, so let's see. Ragavan foil. Mythic, Ragavan borderless foils are 160, it looks like. Yep. I've got German and Japanese copies of those from MH2s I owned. Let so there's... 250 to 300 on those. There is some sort of precedent here for Solitude hitting 150... In foil. Now, I do think that um, Ragavan's probably a little better off than Solitude at the moment. 
but I don't know by how much. It might it's, only be five percent, honestly. So oh, it's real close. Yeah, like the the most played cards in modern right now. Uh, Ragavan is number two in creatures, and Solitude's right behind it at number three, and they're almost identical stats. 19 or 20 percent and 3.7 or 3.8 copies each yeah i believe that and i mean there's like you know there's additional format demand too like commander and legacy type of thing which is small but exists um which well, is kind of what it. i was thinking of that's just it if ragavan gets banned in legacy soon which is entirely possible could happen mid-november um if ragavan gets banned in legacy then solitude is the clear winner between the two because then Ragavan basically just has modern, and Solitude has EDH plus modern at the same level of modern. Yeah. So could easily end up catching and exceeding Ragavan. Now, if you look at the foil borderless Solitudes left on TCG Player, they are almost certainly a buy. Some dudes got a copy at seventy-seven bucks. Then you got eighty-one dollars, two copies. Then you got ninety, then ninety-three, then a hundred, then a hundred, then a hundred, then a hundred, then one hundred five, then one twenty-five, and you're done. 10 listings total near mint. It does raise the question of whether um, does Solitude get worse if Ragavan is banned? <laughs> like, like Solitude is so good because they have to constantly answer Ragavans. I don't think that's the well, case. No, but, but, but it's Ragavan's going to get banned in Legacy, not Modern. Oh, right, right. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So, and, and Solitude also shows up in Legacy accordingly and so there is some interplay there and ragavan's not definitely safe in modern like so far it looks fine because the rag ragavan decks are not making up 50 percent of the of the top eights or anything no like the blue the blue red deck and the jun deck are the two that run it the most and they certainly do run it <laughs> they top eight frequently but there are plenty of other busted cards from this set that are counterbalancing yeah 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 i mean just them providing prismatic ending and unholy heat has, I think, steered the format in a more balanced direction because they gave the format enough new hot kill spells at strong casting costs that are able to answer a variety of threats right. and complement Fatal Push, Path to Exile, and Lightning Bolt so that even if the format shifts away from needing Heat and or Prismatic Ending, which I don't think is very likely... Um, you know, there's there's other answers that they might prefer should the format shift in a specific direction. Mm -hmm. So all that being the case, I think Solitude Borderless Foils are hold because I suspect they are on the precipice of gaining another 30 or $40. Well, I mean, with those, that type of inventory uh, and this setup, like, I mean, you can hold on to it for, for, what, three months, right, and see where it goes. Like, it doesn't seem like you're, it's a terrible idea to just hang out for a little while because you'll probably, like, it's so it's unlikely to crash, so you can just kind of wait and see where it goes, give it a little bit of breathing room. Of all the decks that could possibly be banned in Modern, Blue-White Control is one of the, got to be one of the least likely. Yeah. It's the safety valve of the format, and they want it there. Yeah, it's. I don't know. When was the last time a card was banned out of a blue white control deck in any format? My Jace the Mind Sculptor, I suppose. Yeah, which you could argue that wasn't banned out of a control deck. That was just banned out of literally every deck in the format. Like, that was just everywhere. I'm trying to think which decks were playing it at the time. Was it just a Splinter Twin thing? No, it was literally every deck. Like, what you're, talking about, you're, talking about and... you're talking about standard, right? No, I'm talking about modern. Oh, Jace started banned. 
Did it start banned? I am no, like, that can't you, be true. we are putting a lot of pressure on my memory here. <laughs> but I think that started banned. I don't even know when that ban was. I got to go back and look. I'd have to go back and research that. We can talk about it next week. Um, moving right along here, we've got Patron of the Vein out of Commander 2017, 13 to 26, more vampire hype. I think that might... 2017 sounds like the Edgar Markov deck. So, I mean, those decks have been worth a lot of money for a long time, if I'm right. Uh, this just adds to the value. Blood Crypt foils at a dissension. So, original foil shock, 170 to 480. So, let's just say that the last few copies under 200 probably got bought up, and that left some placeholder copies. Still, I mean, this is we've seen a few of the them go this route over the last six weeks since we've been talking about it, and I'm more and more confident that these are five hundred or a thousand dollar cards in short order. Well, I mean, we've been talking about that for like the last three weeks, so at this point, two or three people listening are going to make that happen. <laughs> uh, J so Jace was banned in standard in June of 2011, along with Stoneforge Mystic. Two months later. In August, Modern becomes a sanctioned format, and the initial ban list includes Jace. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So it never got it. Never. We don't know <laughs> what would have been banned. What what would it would have been played in at the time? But no. I suspect Splinter Twin probably. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would have been played in like at this at the outset of Modern had it been legal, it would have been played in everything. Would it have been good in everything? I don't know, but it certainly would have been shown up everywhere because that's what happened in. Um, in standard, like it wasn't even like a control card. It was just like if you are casting magic cards, you should be casting Jace. There was no. People forget that back that far, there was almost no cards that interacted with planeswalkers. Yeah, creatures were roughly worse. There were very few planeswalkers, so it's not like there was a lot of competition. He was just head and shoulders above everybody else. There's a reason he has a song written about him. All right, so to wrap up here, we got Miri the Cursed out of Planar Chaos foils from twenty to sixty-eight. Vampire hype. I don't think you're. I'd be very surprised if you can get seventy dollars for a Miri, but go ahead and do your worst. Grave Defiler out of Apocalypse foils from two to eighteen. I know I have some of these old border foil tribal things sitting around in my giant stack of old border foils. So probably a good idea to cruise through there tonight while I'm watching something and pull out Grave Defiler and a few others. I have to look that up because I actually don't remember what that card does. Oh, this is a weird <laughs> this is a weird card. Four mana two one. When it comes into play, reveal the top four, put all the zombies into your hand. It's basically That's like it. Goblin Recruiter, right? Yeah, it's just yeah, Goblin Recruiter for zombies. Seems seems like an auto include in the zombie decks. So uh, huge surprise. It's a goblin recruiter that costs twice as much. <laughs> sure. But that's still totally fine in, in the zombie decks where you're you have average low casting cost. Oh, I mean, yeah, in EDH, that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on over to the uh, top magic online movers of the week. A little quieter than we've seen lately. Karn the Great Creator out of War of the Spark going from 21 tickets to almost 30 on the back of some uh, fringe modern play. Teferi Hero of Dominaria uh, is poking up in those blue-white and Jeskai modern control decks going from 4 tickets to 5.6. I would imagine that probably has some more meat on the bones. That could end up at 10 ticks plus, even though it's only seen, seen play as a 1 or a 2 of. Uh, Jeska's Will out of uh, Commander Legends from last fall, 24 ticks or so to about 35, almost 50% gains on the back of strong Commander play, because it's not legal anywhere else. 
And then Alpine Moon out of M19 going from 2.7 ticks to 4.2 for 57% gains. Uh, alongside Blood Moon, one of the ways that you can go after Urza Saga and the Tron lands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The successor to Blood Moon. All righty. Dealing with cards to watch now. We finally got a uh, Pro Trader selection here. Although I want to mix it up. Hear me out. Here's what I propose we do with the, the Pro Trader selections week to week. Sometimes we'll do it like we've been doing it, where we're just going to pick an excellent selection and put it out there as, hey, this, is, this goes alongside ours as some options for the week. Other times, like tonight, we're going to debate whether we accept the pick or not. We're still going to give out the prize. I was going to say, does that mean this guy's no, no, no. We'll, still, we'll still give out the prize. But uh, you can either be super wrong, interesting, or super right, and you'll still have a way to qualify for this prize. And I suspect that will make it a lot easier to secure a steady stream of things to deal with. Okay. Well, yeah, it'll be... <laughs> I like this, because it would be like, all right, if it's good or debatable, you get the sort credit, credit, and we'll talk about it. And if it's really bad, we're going to trash it. And we won't tell and you who's picking... But you we, still get $25. I would, say, I would say, we don't have to say who, who, the, who the pick belonged to, but we will discuss the pick. <laughs> if we trash it. Mm. Yeah. All right. It's up to you whether you want to own it up, own up to it in the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> so to kick things off, back no, in... There you go. It's $20. If your pick is really bad and we trash it and we don't mention you by name, you get 20 bucks. <laughs> but if you own up to it in the Discord, you get five more dollars. <laughs> Fortunately for them, the discount codes are locked in at a specific amount and it's a super hassle to change them. So mm. they're going to get the full amount. Mm. Uh, now, back on episode 282, I selected Fury Borderless. Uh, it was shifting into position at the time as a top 50 modern card. I said Borderless Foils were under pressure and probably too cheap and called out the Borderless Foils at 25 to hit 50. Now, as of today, let me just check in on that and see where we're at. Fury Borderless Foils are currently at... Uh, $30. So, inching up towards success. Now, I think it's time to look at this card again, because as of today, Fury is the fifth most played creature in the format. Modern being the format in question, and the 25th most played card in modern overall. Still see and also sees a bunch of play in Legacy now, uh, but has next to no EDH support. So it's the caveat here is that its future is strongly tied to its playability in modern. Now the good news is multiple decks are running it. You can you see this show up in three or four of the archetypes that you'll catch in the top eights on any given week, uh, and it's been pretty consistent for weeks now. So, uh, I think, given that we're at about, I think it's 100 and, let me just see here, we're at 118 listings for regular non-foil copies. These are the ones that just come out of regular and set booster boxes. So you're just banking on this being a mythic that's going to accrue value over the course of, say, the next 12 months. You can currently get copies around $13. I think for these to go 13 to 26 in a year, if the play pattern stays consistent, seems very likely to me. And I think your worst case scenario along those lines is that you get in at 12, 13, maybe 14, minus some discount somewhere, and then you're going to buy list it to CK at 16, 17, 18, 19, somewhere along the way, and pocket a nice little return. So you're in on just the super basic, most available copy of Fury yep. on the market. Yep, because it's usually a three or a four of when it's played. Remember... 
a month, three months ago when this set came out and everyone in Green Fury was the worst one. Yep, yep. And now, and Myself now included. I was, and now I was looking at, I opened an MH2, MH2 CDs this afternoon uh, and opened very well on the fetches, but the I noticed a lonely, borderless, solid, uh, not solitude, subtlety in there and was like, huh, I wonder what this is worth now. And I was like, I haven't seen it in a while. I bet it's dropped down sub 10. And sure enough, you can get it for eight or nine dollars right now. So that that could end up being a sneaky pick down the road if a shell ends up doing really well at some point and finds a good reason to be running subtlety. Yeah, I would agree. You don't see much of it. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly that like I haven't made it a pick. I haven't really looked at it too closely, but I think it's subtlety is very likely a snatch just based on how cheap it is. And my experience with that is the Titan cycle, because if you played back when the Titans were first released, which was M11, um, it was out of the gate. I think it was Primeval Titan. Like basically three of the Titans were pricey. It was like great. Grave Titan, Primeval Titan, and I think Sun Titan. And then you just had to look at it and go, I'm just going to buy Frost Titans because they're the cheapest. And all of the other ones have been good so far. And lo and behold, Frost Titan ended up getting really pricey because it was a Titan that beat the other Titans. So, you know, if you're looking at the incarnations and you're like, wow, three of these are ludicrous. The black one seems like it could be a format staple on any random day. That means the blue one is probably good. Just haven't figured it out yet. Or the right cards haven't shown up to make it good yet. Um, Yeah, so that's my, my shill for subtlety. As for Fury... Uh, yeah, I mean, if these numbers keep going, then it's hard to say no. Like, your supply is really deep. You know, you've got like 137 vendors. So, I mean, it's virtually infinite. Um, but the amount of play it's seen is significant. We're getting further away from Modern Horizons 2 every day. I think... I think this could very easily be a $25 to $30 card. I also think it could stagnate at 15 Like, Ragavan getting banned might change the tempo a little bit. I mean, Fury is really good because it allows you to, like, answer Ragavan and other cards right away, right? Like, it's just... It's a very efficient threat that can be faster than your opponent's fastest threat. If that goes away, is this still that useful? Well, here's let's let's review. That's a semi-rhetorical question. Sure, let's review who's using it. Fury, uh, when the Shardless Footfalls decks first showed up, there was typically more subtlety than there was Fury. Looking at the Shardless Footfalls deck that won the premiere event this weekend, four Brazen Borrower, four Fury, three Season Pyromancer, four Shardless Agent, and then the Crashing Footfalls are their creatures of choice. The second place list is the four Color Yorion build, and they're running two Fury. Because it's an uh, elemental that also has come into play abilities so that Yorion can reset that and abuse it. Then there's also the elementals uh, list that run it because it's an elemental. And so Fury had eight copies in the top three decks. Well, there's no doubt, no doubt that it's seen a lot of play and is very and is very efficient, right? I mean, it's right there. It's a fifth most played creature in the format, 25th most played card. No question whatsoever that it's seen a lot of play. I guess my question isn't, does it see play at 
why are all of these decks playing it? Now, it fits really well into Yorion because it's a it's a common to play effect. It fits well in the Elementals because it's an Elemental. It fits well into Shardless Agent because it's a way to have removal that doesn't get in the way of your Cascade Chain. The question is, is are they all playing it for the same reason? And is that reason Ragavan? And if it is Ragavan and Ragavan gets banned, is Fury still useful? Now, these are questions that I do not have the answer to, and I'm not going to pretend that I do. You would like you really need someone who knows the format well to be able to speak to like, well, what is the appeal of this card? Um, and, if, you know, it's very, very, very plausible that if, if Ragavan got banned, that I'm not even saying it will, that Fury is still worth its slot. In which case, this is great because you have, you have, you know, you, you, it looks like you're just going to get there no matter what. It's that's the one blip that kind of gives me a slight pause, only because it's your you, the copy that we're talking about here is the the everyday copy. This is the everyman's Fury. There's a huge supply, so if the demand is big, then you get your you get a good price movement that's going to be rock solid, and you're going to be able to sell through tons of copies of these. But with that type of volume of supply, if the demand profile falters, there's obviously a lot of weight to drag the price down. So I think that it's the type of pick that I make if I, as someone who isn't well versed in the the um, the tactics of modern right now, I, I I would be hesitant only because I don't know. But if you have more knowledge about modern and you can make a better informed decision than I can, then I think it it is very plausible that it is an excellent choice because I I love to be able to get in on these types of cards when I'm really confident on them because you can buy them knowing the return isn't going to be massive, but like you can get them all day long at your buy price and you know you will sell the copies. Uh, when the price moves to where you want it to be. So there's some solid upside on that where you're not sitting and waiting for somebody to buy your 18-year-old foil weird zombie card. It's just like, yeah, the TCG player sells 70 copies of this a day. Like, I will sell copies when the price moves. There's a real appeal to that. So a couple couple points to cap things off on Fury. The One of the things that's nice about it is it can target creatures or planeswalkers and with everybody running run in six and three mana to fairy that can be important mm-hmm. i think ragavan is a major factor in terms of how the format selects it you know what solutions it has in each uh deck list but i suspect that it's more than that i think ragavan disappearing from the format does shake things up a bit but i'm not sure that it shakes things up enough that fury suddenly disappears because it just has all these other use cases now, the other point to make is that Card Kingdom's currently offering 1350 cash, 1755 credit. So if you like, if you value CK credit highly, there's already an arbitrage play to be made here, just buying Furies at my price of 13 and selling them to CK for 18, $17.5. Oh, that's pretty nice. So that, that suggests that CK is very bullish. Yeah. Um, and I suspect that other buy lists have it higher than most of the other mythics. Um, other than the Ragavans of the world and the Solitudes. So, yeah, Fury 13. And by the way, I don't, you said 137. I'm seeing 118 listings near Mint. Do you have LP? Uh, near Mint English for just a super basic copy is one. I just see 137. I don't know. Hmm. I see 118 listings. But my my trigger point on Mythics oh. is usually once we get under 100 listings. That includes foils. That's why. Ah, there you go. I, I did yeah, so at, at 118 listings, it, I feel like I'm a little ahead of the curve. 
and more inventory will flow through from the gaming company, et cetera, over the next few months as like whatever pallets they can get their hands on sell through and they refill. And I don't think you have to rush in on this one, but with how things are going with solitude, you may or may not have time to wait. Yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's, if it's going to be good, like the, the thing about like Teferi and Ren and Six and this being an answer to those is, is extremely valid. And this is precisely what I mean when I say, um, I feel like I would just, I would need a, a little more confirmation from people who really know the ins and outs of the format because they might say, oh yeah, well, of course it answers Ragavan, but the fact that you can bring it down on turn two and three and answer these planeswalkers is a huge part of the card as well, then that could be a major factor. And if that is, then even if Ragavan got banned, it wouldn't matter. Um, so that's a, a very good point that like, I didn't really think about it at the top, but that was kind of the point I was making is you, you, you just, I feel like you want some of that level of insight into the format. Um, to make that decision solitude exact same rarity level lowest price copy on tcg currently 40 dollars. that's just a regular solitude and they're down to 19 listings yeah and that I mean, happened fast that was over the last month yeah i mean there's there's your upper bound right and like we know that solitude is mostly a probably a more popular card i'm guessing across every format that it's in at the moment um I, so, I'm guessing without having locked. So looking at modern stats on Goldfish, Solitude's at 19% of decks played, 3.7 copies. Fury's at 16% of decks, 3.5 copies. It's so close. Solitude at number three, Fury at number five. Yeah, and I would presume, I mean, that's all. That's that's minimal. I would presume the distance is in EDH. EDH. Yeah, because yeah. um, it's really good there as well. But, but, I, but it's not EDH that's buying that bought quote-unquote bought out solitude right like it's modern because modern's buying them up in four coffee chunks vendors are buying eight twelve copies at a time to start unloading at shows that they can finally start going to yes because shows are back yep. so the you know this is people saying this card is better than fifteen dollars i'm gonna go ahead and eat some inventory and i'm gonna flip it on the floor for plus 10 and now they're already in position to sell it for 40 plus you know if you were at a big g if there was a gp equivalent this weekend and tcg's price on solitudes is 40 then you're going to see it anywhere between 40 and 50 on the floor yeah yeah so i think it's i think it's a very potent card um no question about that whatsoever all right let's move on to your first selection uh, my first one is certainly less, uh, a less thrilling, a little more understated. Uh, I found poking around. I think the Acroma's Will looks quite solid. Acroma's Will is in that like Just Guys Will cycle that was in uh, Commander Legends. Just Guys Will is, I think, the most popular one out of that. Those Jessica's, are like, yeah, yeah, Jessica's, yeah. What did I say? Just Guys, Just Guys yeah. Will. Those are like 20 bucks for just a pack copies. I'm looking at the uh, extended art Acroma's Wills, both foil and non-foil, really. Um, this sees is in about 16,000 EDA truck decks right now. Uh, there's about 35 vendors. It's about the same number of vendors for both non-foil and foil, kind of uh, roughly even split on supply, it would seem. The non-foils are selling a couple copies a day. The foil copies sell a copy like roughly every day or two or so. Um, the, non the, the non-foils are about $6.50 right now. Uh, I'm looking for those to get up into the double digits, probably between 12 and 15 uh, just based on the extended arts, are just going to keep moving copies 
uh, and that that's going to just drain drain out and slowly tick up there as people who want the the slightly nicer looking copy but don't really want a foil are going to turn to those extended arts and likely won't have competition on those for quite some time. Um, even if these get reprinted, I don't think it would be the extended art version. Like they could stick them in some other commander product or something, but what are the odds are an extended art in whatever that product is as well. The foils, uh, they do sell, they have, like I said, roughly the same supply, maybe slightly less, and they but they sell a little slower. At the same time, uh, these are on TCG Player, the low is about 15, but the buy list backing is already at 12 bucks. You're right there, 12 credit at CK, so you're very close as it is. Um, and I really don't know when you're going to see a better copy of this. So... Either way, I think you're in good shape here. You're going to buy these. You're going to hang out six months to a year uh, and hopefully just about double up on either version of the card, really. I have a bunch of these I bought, I think, November through January last year at around 8 to $10, maybe closer to 6 in Japan, and haven't even tried to sell them yet because they're not ripe. You're, you've waited almost a year to get in here, so you're a little further up the curve, but you're you're also a lot closer to the hollowing out point where the curve is going to go a lot straighter vertical. So, And I forgot what this card actually did. Like I, I've known about the card the whole time, but I forgot that the text is actually choose one. Creatures you control gain flying, vigilance, and double strike. Or creatures you control gain lifelink, indestructible, and protection from all colors until end of turn. And if you have a commander in play, then your creatures are Flying, Vigilance, Double Strike, Lifelink, Indestructible, and Protection from All Colors, which is basically a white overrun. Mm-hmm. That, that just takes a player out. It's, Maybe two. It's a lot. It, it does. There's a lot of text on that card. Yeah, they can't destroy it, so only Exile effects can can respond and do anything valid. I mean, at once you the, the spell has actually landed... Protection of all colors means nothing's blocking. Double strike means you're getting in for a ton. You might be able to split your your attack force and get get rid of two people and still have some defense. Because well, and actually they have uh, they have vigilance, so they won't be tapped <laughs> on your opponent's turns either. So th- this card does a lot of work, and it's drained down to the point where you know this the corner is about to be turned. And I don't know if you said you mentioned where specifically this could see a reprint, but there's a couple of things working in its favor over the next six to twelve months. A, it's just too early. This card's only a year old, and it's only got a single printing. So secret layer is really the only place I would worry about it showing up. It can't. It won't show up in any standard sets. It's not going to be in double masters, I don't think, and it's not going to be in the Commander Legends Part Two because that one is all D and D world. So it's not going to reference a chroma. Um, and so it's safe safe for a good long while and i would imagine this card will go two three years before it gets any kind of significant printing and i would imagine that the next printing of it will be a non-foil in a commander deck and these e8 foil extended arts and extended arts will just keep gaining well i'm uh, i'm glad that you can appreciate this and not take it personally that i gave your fury pick a hard time ah, i mean i I want the picks to get a hard time. In fact, I want some of the picks to fail in conversation because otherwise, what, what worth is the conversation? Yeah. The uh, this next one is, I think, in in much the same boat because I have debate not over whether the card is good, but whether this is the art choice to be made. I'm talking about Lear, Disciple of the Drowned, showcase foils, currently available around ten dollars. There's only sixty six listings. This is 
Here's something I've noticed with Midnight Hunt. There is less of this around than there was Zendikar Rising. There just is. Less of it's been opened. Hmm. I suspect it's I, I suspect it is in part because the collector booster boxes were not as popular overall. They don't have great EV, there isn't a huge draw to them, they don't have uh box toppers because keep in mind a znr uh cb box had two guaranteed non-foil uh expeditions and in the box itself in the 12 packs you were likely to get two foil ones so lots of people went deep and consequently a lot of those cards have taken time to recover about as much as you would normally expect now with midnight hunt i'm seeing less of that there is less of this around if lear had been in znr then I think you would be looking at 166 to 200 listings from all the CBs that got cracked. Because this is a showcase foil mythic, that's exactly where you would have seen a lot of copies come out of. With less of those being cracked, because the EV is bad, we're down to 66 listings already. And this card is seeing a lot of standard play. It's never going to show up in Modern or Legacy. But the standard play will, will buoy it alongside of a steady trickle of EDH interest. This is currently in, I think, five percent of all the blue decks that have come out yeah a thousand decks reported on edh rec so far five percent of all blue decks that's a very solid set of stats and i like what this card does because in it's the thing about this thing is unlike a lot of the zombie cards and vampire cards from this fall this is not linked all that strongly to you know the time in place within which it was released this is way more about this is being great in blue, red, and Grixis spell decks from here to eternity um, that are kind of mid-tier or below. It's a 3-4 for 5, 2 blue mana, human wizard, wizard matters, human matters, and EDH. Spells can't be countered. And then each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard has flashback. flashback. The flashback cost is equal to that card's mana cost. So everything gets flashback equal to its casting cost. Now, when we did the set review, the comment from you and I was... Well, it's a little awkward that things spells can't be countered because doesn't the blue deck want to counter things? But here's the reality. You can very easily build your blue-red spells, blue-red or Grisca spells build or Jeskai spells build to be more focused on other things. It can be a, a mixture of creatures and spells, or it can be heavy on spells that say deal damage, where your primary route to victory is on the red side of things. It can be primarily uh, dealing with board wipes and targeted removal via black spells. Um, and so you do have to build around this a little bit if it's your commander, but if it's in your 99, you could still in include a few counter spells in the deck because the odds that you're going to pull both cards at once and they're going to interfere with one another is relatively low. Um, you don't really mind holding a counter spell until they deal with her. If it lets you mine massive value out of your graveyard by flashing back Demonic Tutor and Damnation and whatever. Yes, I, I mean, I would agree with that. I, I don't remember the, the conversation specifically, but I do know that um, the inability to counter spells doesn't bother me that much because, like you said, you can build your deck to not really care about having counter spells. I mean, frankly, counter spells in EDH are mostly boring. Um, 
trying to pull the card up here. So, and yeah, you can even play one or two, even a couple, and not worry too much about it because you know you're you're going to play Leer when your graveyard is set up to do some silly stuff. You don't have to play it out with a handful of counter spells. Um, so I, I I think the card is still probably going to do pretty well in EDH, especially because there's a lot of players that absolutely loathe counter spells. So if they're in blue. They might just be like, oh, I can play this and no one can counter my crap. And also I'm going to flash back my Rampant Growths and Cold Debates and Kodama's Reaches and all that good stuff. Uh, so, I mean, it gets a lot of value just in that. If you're playing blue and you have instants and sorceries in your deck, right? Like it's fine there. Your, your question is, is, is this the artwork though, right? That was kind of what you're thinking. I, I actually think I'm going to call an audible mid-cast here and switch my pick. I'm going to switch from showcase to regular because I do looking even closer now. I think the regular art is actually quite fantastic and the black and white art is subpar, but more importantly, there were 66 listings of the showcase foil. There's 36 listings of the regular. Now CK is paying a little more for the showcase at present, but I'm not sure I trust that to last. I'll leave it. I'll leave it in the listener's hands. You decide. You place your chips on whichever art you think is most likely to get there. I think mine would land on the pack foil. Here's what I my my gut reaction is. I think non foils might sell a little better with the original version, but foils might sell better as showcase. I'm just not sure the showcase really because it's black and white foiling i'm not sure how well the foiling works on this copy but keep in mind i haven't actually held this one in my hand so i'm not sure there is a big lightning bolt on on this on the showcase version if the lightning bolt shows up really nicely as silver foil that could be cute i think the quality of the art though is a lot of effort went into that pack pack uh art it's quite nice but my problem with the pack art is it's just it's generic it's a generic right. magic card for sure. Yeah, and but it's nicely done. I mean, I'm not. I I am not giving. Oh boy, I started this journey before I knew how to finish it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not giving Ectorina Burmak a hard time. I think that this card, her artwork is is good. It's just like you know, in a deck full of magic cards, it just looks like another magic card. The showcase is unique and distinct, which. It can be worse art, but as a whole piece is a little more fascinating. Um, so again, if you just need a copy of this, you might be inclined to get the normal pack one because there's plenty of people who don't like the special versions. They find them annoying. But if you care enough to want to get a foil, I feel like you're probably inclined to get the showcase one just because it's more interesting. If you're buying foils, you want something that looks cool and is flashy. And this, the showcase is way more flashy than the normal one, even if you think the art is clunkier. They, they essentially speak to people a little differently. Bottom line, I think Lear, Disciple of the Damned, is a little bit under the radar. Have, have a look at it. Figure it out for yourselves. What's your final selection here? Uh, the other one I'm going to go with this week, another Commander Legends card, which wasn't on purpose. I just happened to be browsing all sorts of stuff and stumbled upon this. Um, I had to do a double take to make sure we hadn't picked it, but I can't find it. So I think I'm in the clear here. Which is Thought Vessel uh, out of Commander's Legends, like I said already. Um, Thought Vessel is the two mana rock. You have no maximum hand size and it adds a wastes. There are uh, eight paper copies of this card. This is the Commander Legends version. It's the only one that's foil. 
and I'm looking at the extended art foil. The EA foils on Thought Vessel are only $7, seven and a quarter. So they're pretty cheap. <coughs> Excuse me. Is Thought Vessel good? Well, it's an 81,000 EDA DirectX. Uh, puts it at like number five, six or seven most played artifacts in the format, I think. Something, it's up there. Maybe not quite that high, but it's up there. Uh, there are 41 vendor or 41 listings on TCG Player right now. It sells a foil copy roughly every day. And here's the real the real icing on the cake is you'll pay seven and a quarter for the cheapest copy of this right now, and the uh, Card Kingdom is paying eight fifty in credit for this. So you could buy out TCG Player on the low end and immediately turn them around the CK and make a dollar in credit on each copy. Now I'm not saying you should do that, but uh, clearly CK has some faith in Thought Vessel. So with a card this popular, it's the only good foil of it that exists. Uh, the the credit lit by credit backing is there. The, the only thing that really caught my attention is this is about in the last month has been played about a quarter as much as Arcane Signet, but the price is about like a third. So it seems like mildly overpriced compared to Arcane Signet, just if you're looking at those numbers, but I don't think those are kind of a one-to-one. -one. Um, so just, I don't know, that was that caught my attention. I'm tempted to tell you Arcane Signet Commander Legends foils are also a buy at like 25. Um, but yeah, Thought I, Vessel, I think, is better. Here's the thing with Thought Vessel and Arcane Signet. Unlike Chroma's Will, they are not carrying the dome... Uh, the plain specific branding protection that stuff that references Dominaria or Innistrad or whatever carries heading into Commander Legends 2, which we know is set uh, in the Forgotten Realms. The, thought, the words Thought Vessel and Arcane Signet could very easily catch a reprint in CMR2 this spring, winter, and... There's no guarantees that either are included, but given that Thought Vessel was listed as an uncommon, they may well. Now, they may also dodge it. They may make it a secret layer later this year. Hard to say for sure. They they did just give us an Arcane Signet in one of the secret layers recently, right? The Dan Fraser ones? Uh, Arcane Signet, you said? Yeah, I think it was assumed <laughs> that the... Because the set was... The, the Signets that are going for four grand or whatever on eBay are the old border foil non etched ones. The ones everybody else bought in the secret layers that didn't go to streamers are the etched ones. Correct. And I think the presumption that was confirmed at some point was that the secret, like the bonus card for the etched signets will be an arcade signet. Uh, yeah, there is an arcane signet Dan Fraser version. Yes. In fact, yeah. I think we already knew that. Yeah. Like, like even at the time, I thought we knew that because well, I think it was I think it was revealed around. once the streamers started selling their revealing their sets that they got oh. them for free, right? Well, they I thought we, got the bonus card. I thought we saw the artwork for it or something. Like the artwork was shown, like oh hey, did you guys notice all these signets show up? There's like this other artwork that has all the signets in it. Yeah, it, but yeah. bottom line, I don't think Thought Vessel is is safe automatically, but it's also there's so much they could tackle via Secret Layer and Commander Legends two that it might dodge, it might not. So I think that. Your commitment to this pick is basically a bet on how long it goes without a reprint. Because if it gets another one, say, in Commander Legends 2 in four months, then this is never going to get a chance to turn the corner. It might go seven and a quarter to ten or eleven, and there's no money to be made. However, as you said, there is a CK 
exit as a backup plan. So if the news broke, you could probably still buy this. What is the um, uh, when is Commander Legends two slated for? I think we're assuming it's Q one. Let me just see the schedule. Magic schedule twenty twenty two. Let me just see the graphic. Yeah, so it's assumed that. I know it's Q1, Q2. I just can't remember which of the two it is. I'm trying to find the graphic that they posted. So it's er, it's sometime next year. Yeah. In the first Commander half of the year. Commander Legends 2. So what's the first half? No, no not Commander Legends. Commander Legends 2. Bottom line, first half of the year. So people just need to be aware of that before they dive headfirst into some of the stuff that could easily catch a reprint there. Yes. Hmm. The, the Wikipedia, the fandom Wikipedia doesn't have CML2 listed. Well, they haven't announced the date yet. We just know, I think we just know the quarter that the, it's in. And I just quarter. can't remember which of the two it is. Okay. It's in our notes in the Discord. I'll, I can go double check, double check, then we can update people next week. The my remaining selection is another kind of slightly under the radar pick: fighter class AFR pack foils. So, uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realm set is another set where the collector booster boxes were opened less than, say, Modern Horizons Two was, where I'm still opening those boxes with glee because they're so friggin' good. Um, whereas AFR and Midnight Hunt are not in that same boat. They're closer to a Cal time or, uh, I'm trying to think of another like mediocre one. Oh, a Cal time is a good example. The fighter class is kind of an auto include in Boros based equipment decks. It's also got the bonus of being very appealing to the D and D crossover crowd. One in a, uh, one white, one red enchantment subclass. Uh, sub uh, type class when fighter class enters the battlefield search your library for an equipment card reveal it put it in your hand then shuffle it's a tutor tutors are always good if you care about equipment you will run this because you want to go tutor your good equipment to do equip broken equipment things now when you level it up for one red white equip abilities you activate cost two less to activate from then on so right away you've got you're going to get one of your best equipment and you're making all your equip abilities less for the rest of the game you should be running this in 100% of your Boros equipment decks. Then for three red-white, whenever a creature you control attacks, up to one target creature blocks it this combat if able. And that's a one-time cost. So you've got three relevant things that matter in equipment Boros builds. You can currently get these at three bucks for the foils. I'm going to call it to go three to ten in 12 months. It's in 2,200 decks on EDH Rex so far, which is 10% of all Boros decks. And those are very solid stats. And if you look at the total number of listings, you're at 81, which is very respectable for a foil rare that just came out a few months ago. Yeah, these $3 foils is uh, is very tempting. That's inexpensive. Um, easy, very easy for people to snag foil copies of and not feel bad about it. And if we look at... Sigarda's Aid. I mean, those pack foils are $17. And even the Commander Legends foils are... Oh, there weren't Commander Legends foils of that. 
Um, and Sigarda's aid was in the same vein as 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 this card is. If you're going to buy one, you're going to buy the other most likely. Um, so I really like these at three bucks. That's quite good, actually, because you're going to buy them for dirt cheap. You're going to put them aside. You're going to forget about them for a while, and then you're going to come back in like a year or two and be pretty pleased with what that price looks like. All right. So let's talk about our Pro Trader selection of the week. Uh, this one caught me off guard because I didn't even know it existed. So I thought it was a good one to flag for people that it's out there and then talk about whether it matters. Pillowfort84 out of the Pro Trader Discord suggests Lurus of the Dream Den, but specifically the copies that are only available in the brand new, freshly released Pioneer Challenge decks that are floating around. And I think you can get those at both LGSs and big box stores, if I'm not mistaken. This is a regular Lurus, currently going on TCG Player for 8 bucks, And he's calling it to go 8 to 15 in a year on the basis of two things. One, that its supply is limited to these decks, um, so not broadly distributed uh, overall. And two, it's the only copy of Lurus that has the rules text, the updated rules text on it, where it uh, denotes that companions cost three coming from the sideboard to put in your hand. Uh, so you're you're looking for me to weigh in on this, right? Yep. I don't think that the rules tax component of this matters in any way, shape, or form. Okay. I, I don't think anyone's going to care, honestly, especially because it could change at this rate. Now, so if, you, if you're a competitive player, maybe you care. Like, maybe you're thinking, like, oh, if that has the rules text, that one time it will save me a game from not remembering. Yeah, if you're a competitive player in Magic, you pride yourself on not having to remember that crap. Sure, uh, but competitive players make the argument all the time that they don't want to play foreign cards because they want to be able to read the text. You're correct. You're correct. Uh, I mean, I feel like it's more that they want to be able to explain it to their opponent rather than read it i i I just don't think the rules tax is is going to make an appreciable mark on the value of the card so really then it just becomes is it worth buying lurus's eight bucks 758 bucks and i don't know because these are non-foil right yep now keep in mind that these challenger decks like gaming company got a hold of them and there is a ton of these sitting around how many copies did they have posted let me just double check it is, uh, they just posted 408 copies. So there's only 12 listings on TCG Player, but the listings are 27 copies, 20 copies, 11 copies, 408 from the gaming company, and then a smattering more. So <laughs> it's gonna, given that you only need one Lurus at a time and you don't, you don't play the multiples almost anywhere, it's going to take a while to, for those to drain out. I, I suspect that long-term this might be a supply-side play, we're on like a two or three year horizon. If Lurus never gets banned in modern, then eventually these are just hard to come by and they end up being the most expensive non-foil copy on CK's buy list just because they can't, they never get them in. So they, whenever they sell one, they have to have a higher buy list just to attract a copy. Um, so they aren't empty handed. But I don't love it in comparison to say going after the, the remaining drips and dregs of foil extended art Lurus's where I think they're likely to turn the corner much sooner and make a, a larger material difference on your bottom end, uh, on your bottom line. Let me just see what the 
extended arts are looking like because i know i've called these before and already made money on them i've sold some along the way so i haven't checked in recently foil extended art luris out of icoria cbs down to 30 listings lowest price copies at 64 gaming company has nine and you know for these to go 64 to 100 plus i think is a better play overall how do you feel the just the, the pack extended arts foil extended arts Foil standards are only 65. I thought they were more than that. I've sold copies above that. I know I sold a, a Japanese copy over 100. Huh. I thought that they cost more than that. I, if you had asked me, I would have said they were like 110. Uh, I mean, people, I, people may have backed off it a bit because they're worried it's going to get banned. Yeah. I I mean, these Luris extended art foils at 65 is tempting, but the you know, that act swinging over your head is threatening um the it's kind of like an oko play when when oko got banned in um standard first i think and maybe pioneer but was still okay in modern i can't remember the order of oko but i remember there was a brief interval where buying no it must have been after the modern ban when it was banned in standard pioneer and modern within the first six months and then Oko Borderless Foils crashed. And then there was an entry point where you could snap them up real cheap. And then they doubled in the next 6 to 12 months because they're still fantastic in EDH. Yeah. Yeah. I I am of the opinion that if we're talking about Luris because of that Challenger deck, I don't, I don't like the rules text as the motivating factor here. Yeah, um so that's where I, that's where i stand on that the question then becomes is it worth buying anyways with that type of inventory people only buying one they're not buying it for commander seems unlikely uh yeah low demand from commander so i i would have to pick the extended arts out of everything here if i was gonna buy a, a Luris. all right i mean i can i can get with that so sorry did you say his name? I don't remember. Pillow Fort eighty four. Yeah, sorry, he's, Pillow he's Fort. He's got pillows to protect his his heart. He'll be all right. I think it's so. Let me let me be clear here. Let me take the other side of this. It's a very clever concept. I like the kind of outside the box thinking. Um, thinking that you might have, you know, th- that that's that's a clever way to approach it. I just don't see that being a motivating factor for most people. He also still gets a twenty five dollar gift certificate from Cool Stuff Inc. to dry his tears with. Well, yeah, it seems like that's probably the best payoff for the bunch. All right, now we got to talk about this secret layer that exists. Secret, secret layer. So secretive. Now, I read your discussion of these on yep, the Discord. Posted, posted a big, huge guide to this pretty much within an hour of the drop. Yeah, you were you were busy that day. So I mostly am on the same page as you for a lot of this, I think. So let's start here. How do they have this organized? We can just go uh, through the list, the or, the order I've got on the Discord because I think it cleans it up pretty pretty effectively. It's the October Super Drop, which the sale ends currently. It's October nineteenth, and the sale ends in twenty five days. So you get about a month to take a whack at it if you want to get in. There are seven total drops, and the drops are called Secret Layer Times Stranger Things. 
which ties into the release of Stranger Things season four. I want to say could be season no season three three uh, I that debuts in early 2022. There's not, Did you uh, watch Secret Stranger Things? Yep. We, we'll, get thought... to the, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Monster movie marathon showcase midnight hunt read the fine print Liliana's contract thrilling tales of the undead monster anatomy 101 and Mirrodin insanity so the most of these come in regular and foil but the read the fine print the Liliana's contract one comes in regular foil or foil etched and the monster anatomy 101 comes in regular or foil etched this is odd i'm not sure why they are still messing around with etched trying to decide if it's going to be a seller or not but they have information we don't have so uh, most of these are $29.99 for the regular and $39.99 for either foil or foil etched where relevant except for the secret layer time stranger things which is 10 bucks more uh $39.99 or $49.99 now why might that be well, one argument would be that it's a crossover for a, pro- a prominent media property, so they just feel like they can get away f- with charging more. But you can also make the argument that there are a minimum of eight new playable cards here, and probably nine. Like the Demogorgon that's from D&D that features prominently in the show is probably the bonus card here, unrevealed so far, because that just makes perfect sense. Now, this layer is uh, has some interesting features that are both pro and con. On the con side, I think they missed the mark pretty widely on most of them in terms of creating a magic card that syncs really well with what the character is known for in the show. I also give them a little bit of leeway here because I think it's hard to do with some of these characters. Like, you just have kind of a group of generic boy children it's kind of tough to do stuff with them like the two most most successful uh attempts here are the jim hopper who's a four four for two red white legendary creature human soldier with menace whenever he attacks you investigate once for each non-token attacking creature and then the uh the card for um 11 they made her a human wizard, which kind of like ties into her psychic abilities, which makes sense for her to have powers in the first place. One blue, one Grixis, three five. Your maximum hand size is 11. Haha, <laughs> isn't that cute? And then whenever 11 the mage attacks, you draw a card and you lose life. Then if you have 11 or more cards in your hand, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand without paying its mana cost. Now, all of that said, there's an extra feature here. All of the commander card, commander-oriented cards, the cards here meant to be your potential commander, share an ability called Friends Forever, which is pretty close to the partners with and partner abilities we've seen before. The difference here is Friends Forever means you can only partner two of them and only if they both have Friends Forever. So here's why I think this is a winner long-term. The Friends Forever cards that are available here are highly interchangeable. They let you build a bunch of different decks. An argument could be made that you could get this set for 40 bucks in foil and you could spend the next two years 
building decks around it because it gives you something like 27 different iterations 21 21 different ways to build seven interchangeable commanders seven choose two is the equation as i understand it um and i think that is a very clever way to sell a secret layer um so i I think that the permutation thing is a bit misleading, and be, the, this conversation happened with Partner originally too, because you're like, look at all these different permutations. There's all these different decks you can build. Well, really, each each legend is basically half a commander deck, and whether you combine Dustin and Lucas or Dustin and Will or what have you, like Dustin's still going to bring most of the same rough cards you're interested in with Dustin or Mike or Max. And then there's a there's I don't know what ten or fifteen percent of the overlap that depends on what cards you would choose in between them. But like it's not like there are twenty one wildly distinct decks that you're going to play here. If you're playing eleven, doesn't matter who you pair eleven with. You're probably playing a lot of the same cards. Um, well, one of the things about playing eleven is it's the only three color option here. So if you're playing eleven with anybody else, you're playing five color. Right. Uh, well. Possibly. Uh, I'm also a little odd they didn't give Eleven white, right? Like, she seems... Supposed to be a good guy? Yeah. Yeah. Like, wouldn't... Like, wouldn't just... Guy? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, But there are eight, potentially nine, assuming the hidden Demi-Gorgon. By the way, Mind Flayer should have been the the secret card, right? Like, if you've watched the show, shouldn't Mind Flayer have been the secret card that you don't see? <laughs> Isn't that kind of the the gimmick? But whatever. Um, I, I think that the fact that you're getting so many unique playable cards for your money is solid. I went back and looked at the Walking Dead promos because I wanted to see how well another tie-in product had done. And those are all four or five bucks. So pretty rough, except Rick, the human, who's fifty dollars. Yeah, which now easily justified. Oh sure, right. So if you had bought it, like Rick covered almost what twice the cost of the secret layer on his own, then you get the other ones for free. Now I I can't figure out why Rick is fifty bucks. He's not big in EDH, uh, and he's not. I didn't see him in the top fifty creatures in Legacy. So yeah, people were so worried about him, like. Oh, legacy turns are going to be broken in paper because everyone's going to need a Rick and they won't be able to get him and it'll be $200,000. And no, that didn't happen. Well, it was still a stupid ass decision. They just got lucky that the card wasn't that good. But that, that, all of that, without rehashing that whole argument, the point is, is that that secret layer was very clearly worth its price. But I do not know the only, there's no in game explanation, no, no magic metagame explanation for Rick's price. So the only conclusion I can draw is that it's because people like the the want the card for the character, which means that none of these secret layer, none of the Stranger Things cards have to be good necessarily. Like just someone has, some people have to want some of these because they like them and the price could be high, uh, which is of course really hard for us to gauge because we're used to gauging card popularity based on its effectiveness in magic formats. And now we're saying, well, how popular is 11 the mage in the grand scheme of people who might buy magic cards and who like stranger things, right? Like we have no metric for that. So are these worth 50 bucks? Strictly from a playable magic card perspective, it seems very unlikely you will lose money. 
the worst case scenario was likely that they just kind of would sit at about a grand total of $50 worth, maybe like $60 or $70 worth for all the cards. So there's like some amount of profit, but not enough that you actually care. Like not enough to ship the damn thing. But there's the outside chance that like a lot of people want to go buy 11s and that card ends up like 60 or 70 bucks and then everything else is just gravy. So I, 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 yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to think it'll be the latter, right? I'm inclined to think that one of these cards, probably 11, will be fairly popular out in the world beyond magic that will drive the price up to the cost of the secret layer itself and all of the rest is juice on top. Uh, the, the other factor here is how popular is it going to be? Now, for the next month, how many people will buy this? I'm inclined to think this is not going to be terribly popular. Here, here's the thing. They're timing this in totally incorrectly for leveraging the Stranger Things side of the Venn diagram. Because that doesn't come out till next year. So that hype, like the, you'd really like to be releasing this during the two weeks where people that are really into Stranger Things are binge watching it on Netflix and are just reaching out to buy some shit that's related. Because you want the, all of the periphery reporting from the collectibles and gaming mags to be re- saying, hey, Magic, re- can't get enough of Stranger Things? Check out this Magic release this week. You really want that to be happening the week that the show hits. And instead, it's hitting months early. Mm-hmm. So they're missing something there. Because... They're, these they're, are going to end up shipping at the time that yeah, that yeah, yeah. So series that will comes be, out. That but. will be well-timed for secondary market sales. So it actually may benefit the people that go in on this because they get to sell into the hype instead of buying during the hype, which is much better for the seller. And it, it seems to be the kind, kind of a little bit of a, there's a subtle thing going on there where Wizards is catering to the vendor side of this, the speculator and vendor side more than the player side. Now, there is another factor here. Starting with this release, they are giving us these cards again with magic art and magic names in New Capenna's The List release. So in set booster boxes for Streets of New Capenna, Q2, uh, uh, 2022, out of the list cards, which you pull out of every one in four boosters, half of them will be these Stranger Things reprints. That's a re- that's a lot, right? Because the, this typically we talk about the list as being kind of a it doesn't really matter if a card appears there because the list is so big and the odds of pulling any one particular card doesn't really move the price of the card in the market. But it will move the price of these cards for the people that just want the cheapest version because half like one out of every eight boosters will have one of these nine cards. So that's gonna matter. However, however. The list is always non-foil. So my advice here is to go for the foil sets here because it's the only foil version of these cards you are likely to see for quite some time. Ever. Maybe ever. I mean... I, and, I, and it's the only foil version of the of this art you might ever get. Yeah, that, and that's that's what I mean. I don't think that Wizards is too inclined to ever go back to these secret layers and reprint them the same way. Um and, and think about it from this perspective. The kind of people that, are, that get off on the best friends forever commanders, like that are into cutesy, feel-good themes for their decks, what can wizards put in front of them on the magic side of things to match that? 
Like, it's going to be nine random characters in the magic world that are best friends. <laughs> like, with no backstory or, or relevant tie-in, you know what I'm saying? Because it's only appearing in the list, so it's not part of the story in the main set. That's that's going to be a tricky one to pull off in a way that's going to resonate. And so I think, the like, in terms of reson- emotional resonance, the Stranger Things versions have to take the cake. I wonder if um, they're going to rename the mechanic in New Capenna or in the list. But I mean, it's also, but it's in the list though, right? Yeah. So, I mean, they can do like squee and all that type of crap. They can, but I, I, it seems, I don't think they would do it with like known characters. Yeah, it's, I mean, the fact that it's not in New Capenna proper means they don't have to try and shoehorn it in there. They can pick some, you, you know who they'll pick? They'll pick uh, Fibble Thip. Right, like he seems like he'll be one, like that type of character, right? Or they'll come up with a bunch of goofy ass characters. I mean, I'll put it to you this way: if the characters end up being made, like say they were the Gatewatch characters, then those copies might actually sell better. Yeah, except that there'll be a ton of inventory of them. Sure, true. Because we're we're looking at we're looking at seventy two packs for one full set of all nine, which is two boxes. So like every two boxes, you get a full set of them. I mean that's. That's not like a ton, but that's pretty decent. Like that's a decent clip. It's it's approaching mystical archive drop rates. Yeah. So um, I, I I'm my takeaway here is that if you're going to buy this, you should buy the foils for all yep. the reasons outlined. Yep. Yep. Um. Also because if you're selling to people who just want Stranger Things cards, uh, they're probably going to want the cooler, fancier version. Yeah. Um. I have a feeling that this is actually not going to sell super hot right now. And you might and buying them now, hoping to sell them in the when this season three comes out might be quite nice. Um, I also wouldn't crack these. I think. Well, I, I here's, here's what I do with this stuff. I don't. I never crack it until I know I'm I'm about to sell it. You know what I'm saying? Like, say say there's a secret layer. I'm holding it for a year, and a year out, one of the cards, like say Rick, is covers the whole secret layer, and the others. I might maybe I think and I'm not sure that this applies to the Walking Dead characters but maybe I think the other cards just need some more time to mature go ahead and sell the Rick at what you think might be the local peak get your ass covered and then the rest is gravy whenever the gravy shows up that that could easily end up being the case here but well you you know if you keep them sealed you don't need to worry about it well so that is a that's entirely valid here here's the offset to that uh i currently have a stack of boxes in the room next to me as tall as i am and it's like a 200 magic cards because the packaging on these things Uh, is so goddamn large so which i hadn't really like i like i knew that the packaging was kind of like wasteful and large but like and then i ordered some secret layer stuff and didn't think much of it and then it i had to go pick up the ups boxes and i'm like are you kidding me like it's this big like this is big enough that i had no intention of cracking any of these secret layers and now i'm like i think i have to because i don't want to deal with keeping all this storage space like this is a lot especially if you're buying secret layers every two or three months and you're planning on holding them you're going to end up with a literal room's worth of sealed (laughs) packaging yeah because really if you if you spend three grand every secret layer that comes through which is i don't think unreasonable for 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 a crowd, there is a crowd of people, armchair speculators who don't run a store, who just do it out of their house, who will spend several thousand dollars because like one of the major packages here is like four hundred dollars. So you buy a couple of them and you're already at several thousand. Like that's a lot of 
physical volume in your house, but this is like every, what, two or three months, right? Two months. Yeah. So, and you're not selling them that fast usually. So you get like three or four of these collecting in a room. That's a lot of space. In any case, it's kind of annoying that like these seem like you should keep them sealed, but the actual volume in your house could be a problem. Um, so yeah, there you go. I think they're probably, probably decent. I don't right. think you're going to miss too much, but I don't think you're going to blow anyone away with this. So let's skip to the one the drops I think are the best, and then we'll briefly touch on the others. Okay. There's one called Monster Movie Marathon. Yeah. And off the, off the top, ignoring the art, this is not the, the drop that's going to blow anybody away in terms of the card selected. You've got Dismember, Blasphemous Act, Beast Within, and Grafdicker's Cage. They all seem like very kind of medium cards. There's a lot of printings in most of these. Blasphemous Act is an undercut to the, the FEA selection you made on Cast just shortly ago where we said, hey, it could show up in a secret layer. And yeah. sure enough, two weeks later, that's exactly what we got. So, but there's a little more to consider here. One, as an art director and lover of good graphics, these might be the best secret layer graphics ever. If not, it's top three. Yeah, 100% agree. Fucking I was, I, beautiful. Yeah. representations uh kind of like modernized six 60s italian monster movie posters yeah they're they're fantastic they're absolutely phenomenal uh i would say the dismembers feels like it's kind of the weakest one that guy's a little funky looking it's Yogmoth. But... did you notice oh is that who that's supposed to be yeah that makes sense that makes sense uh yeah they're all really really good um and but so not only do these look awesome, but three out of the four of these are extremely playable. Beast Within, like hugely popular in EDH. 125,000 reported decks. Yeah, yeah, like remarkably popular. Uh, Graft Digger's Cage, like kind of waxes and wanes in popularity, but also the type of card you, you generally want to own four of. And even if it's not huge and modern right now, this is still a card that you own four of and you just have in your binder well, and, because you need to bring it out sometimes. And Cage is 10,000 EDH rec. Is it that much? Yeah. yeah. And even even Dismember is 8,000. Yeah. Yeah. Dismember, right. Dismember is not nothing. It's definitely the weakest link, but it's still, you can see some play. Um, people will play in like themed decks, you know, Yawgmoth decks and what have you. Uh, and then Blasphemous Act is like the third most popular red card in EDH. It's really good and also awesome looking art. These are, th- this whole thing is, is really great. Uh, and this is regular and foil. I'm torn here. Well, let me let me just cover the other bases here, and then you can give me your take. One of the things to consider is that there are tons of printings of most of these, but not so many fancy versions. You've got TSPR Old Border Foil for Beast Within. You've got Blasphemous Act has the foil extended art and extended art from Commander Legends last year. Grafdigger's Bit Cage has five printings, but no fancy ones. And Dismember, Dismember has six printings that only really include FNM promo or Old Border Foil from TSPR. Now, the Beast Within typically goes for a dollar or two. Blasphemous Act is about three bucks. The Extended Art and Foil Extended Art are seven and 14, respectively. Cage is two or three dollars for DKA pack foils. You're talking more like 13. And then Dismember is about three bucks with OBFs at 42. So that's a nice data point because if if dismember in an old border foil treatment, which we've kind of established some people care about and some people don't, is still holding $42, largely based on modern play, I would imagine. 
Um, then an even cooler version of Dismember in foil, I think it's very safe to say that's $20. And so then the question becomes, can Blasphemous Act and Beast Within, say, hold somewhere between $10 and $20 in the long term? I think it's yes, 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 yes. Like, the, the total value of this in foil is only 40 bucks. That means each card's got to be worth about 10 bucks each, and you're assuming you're going to get a bonus card here of some kind as well that's going to be worth, say, minimum $5 and could be up to 20 or 30 or even more. So to me, this is the big winner here. Fantastic art, highly playable cards. They don't have a ton of competition in terms of the sexiest version. This, I think, immediately becomes the sexiest version of all of these cards. To me, it's a buy. I think that it's probably the best one of the products i the regular is does have some temptation here for me um based on how good the how the quality of the foiling but and we know that generally the non-foils do like on average are slightly better than the foils, right? But at the same time, like Beast Within and Blasphemous Act, which I think are going to be your heavy, your big winners here, are both EDH cards. So the foiling is preferable mostly. And it's only a $10 increase. In, in my notes to the Pro Traders, I, I flagged that this reminds me of the Party Hard Tread Harder Drop from December of 20, where they had the really fancy black metal graphics for Assassin's Trophy and Anguish Unmaking. Assassin's Trophy is at 30 bucks a piece non-foil. Anguish Unmaking is at 15 and $70 in total value. And that's just non-foils. So and these so did if the, not come if, in foil. Yeah, so if those 30 non-foils are now worth close to 70 and headed up, then I think to say that the foils here could be anywhere from 60 to 80 within a year seems very reasonable to me. Yeah, I, I think you can you can you can buy either regular or foil and probably get paid. I I would probably buy more foils than regulars, but like like craft diggers cage, you probably like feel like you people were gonna want the non. I don't know, I don't know. Buy either copy. I think I think it doesn't matter. Both of them are good picks. Here's my third. I think my third best selection. I think I rank the monster mover monster movie marathon first. Probably put. Uh, um, the Stranger Things second, and I think Thrilling Tales of the Undead is probably third. This is kind of, to me, a continuation of the concept from the Monster Movie Marathon. It's very similar graphics overall. Um, and in this case, it's a little under the radar. I think at first glance, people might think this is one's not that big a deal, but they wouldn't. that would indicate they don't know EDH that well. Liliana Death's Majesty is in 8,500 decks on EDH Rack. Gravecrawler's in 11,000 and headed up because of the new Zombie Commander. Rise of the Dark Realms is in 9,500 EDH Rack. And if you look at the non-foil available copies of those, Death's Majesty is only 3 bucks. Gravecrawler's up to 20 right now, spiking hard because of the zombie hype this fall. Rise of the Dark Realms is at 15, but the foils combined for those three are 30, 34, and 65, respectively, which is a total of $129. So you're paying $10 more to get the foil set here for potentially double or more in foil value. Now, of course, all of these foils dropping into the market at the same time, and some months after the Innistrad hype has died off, could easily undercut the overall demand. But 
Gravecrawler Rise and Liliana are going to continue to be strong playable cards in EDH for a long time. The foils are likely to look very good uh, out of this. And so, again, I think that the play here is just to roll with the foils and, and know that you're buying the best foil version of these cards that's likely to be available for years. Yeah, I, and this one, I mean, Gravecrawler is very much a competitive card, uh, I would say first and foremost, but the well, other two are... Well, not really, because it's it's in standard, it certainly was, and it has well, occasionally sees play, but there's nothing in modern that runs it right now. So this all, is of its, all of its value gained in the last month is clearly EDH. This is true. I have long been on the... The, I, I have always categorized Gravecaller as a modern card in my head, not an EDH card, especially because it's like mediocre. I don't think of it as being that great in EDH, but unless you have like a specific, well, the it's thing o- the, it's only good if you have like an infinite sack, some sort of sack chain going on. But well, yeah, exactly. It, it is a sack chain card for the zombie deck. That's exactly what it's there for. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the fact that there's no other really great Gravecrawlers. And the Rise of the Dark, yeah, I, I'm on board with this as a foil package rather than the non-foil. And I would say, I mean, this is, I'm I'm like less excited about this than I am the other one because I think these just generally don't look as good Not as, as the other yeah. uh, monster movie cards. I agree. But the foil prices on this are so good that it's probably fine to just grab these. And this I would crack. And just stash these foils and wait like three years and hope that you can sell them for 60 bucks each. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's go through some of the other ones that I think are less, a lesser priority. There's one called showcase midnight hunt and it has 10 Innistrad themed utility lands. So you're getting 10 cards. I mean, that's significant because you're getting them at the lower price point, not the stranger things price point that's inflated by 10 bucks. So you're getting Moreland Haunt, Vault of the Archangel, Nathalia Drownyard, Desolate Lighthouse, Stencia Bloodhall, Grim Backwards, Keswick Wolf Run, Slayer Stronghold, Gaviny Township, and Alchemist Refuge. Now off the top of your head, if you don't play EDH, that might sound like a pile of garbage. And indeed, most of those cards in non-foil go for, for anywhere from $0.50 cents to $2. The only ones that are above that are Vault of the Archangel at 6 uh, Keswick Wolf Run at two fifty, and Alchemist Refuge at four fifty. However, six of the, these 10 have 10,000 or more reported decks on EDH Rec. And in foil, you get a very different picture. In foil, you have $67 worth of value against 40. None of these have fancy versions. These would for sure be the best foil versions thereof. Though I still have an issue with these black and white cards that they don't have strong color cues on them. Um... But the art on these is clearly the best art these cards have ever gotten. To me, it's just a lower priority because I think that they probably get there given enough time. But there's no, nothing could nothing is really going to turn the corner in EDH and suddenly give you a bunch of additional value here. This is just stuff that will always get played to some medium amount in the format. And different onesies, twosies of these fit in different decks it's not clear that people would want a playset of them because you would almost never play them alongside each other. So you're not going to have them on the board at the same time together. So matchy matchy doesn't really matter at all. So to me, this is kind of a, if you want them for yourself, I think the value is solid, but it's not, doesn't yell at me as this is a hot spec. I, I, I'm on the same page. All these cards are 
not that impressive in EDH. I don't see them suddenly getting impressive. They're all very medium at best. Alchemist Refuge is probably the best of the bunch for the most part, although Vault of the Archangel is very good, and Grimback Woods is better than most people give it credit for. Um, that said, they're just all sort of eh. Um, and when you have some of these other options, those are so much more tempting than these. I'm not really eager to spend any money on this, which, of course, brings up the secret layer prisoner's dilemma. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so I will let you do the math on figuring out how many of this bad secret layer you're supposed to buy. Yeah, because the thing but. is about secret layers, if they sell at a low enough volume, if everybody agrees not to buy it, then you're supposed to buy it because yeah. it will become a supply side play where just to get them in the door, CK will be forced to pay you out on their buy list because they don't want to be caught with zero stock. Yep. So there, there's potential for some of these to go that route. I don't like to roll those dice because... Sometimes you just get caught with a secret layer where a bunch of people bought it foolishly. It's very hard to predict the act of the the actions of the foolish. So if you go go that direction, then you're you know just be aware that you're rolling dice. I I really imagine this sells quite poorly though. So out of the group, there's another one called Read the Fine Print, which is basically Liliana. Uh, well, not Liliana. Liliana. Liliana's contract and the four demons that she was contracted with that she eventually had to defeat. So you're getting literally Liliana's contract. You're getting Demon Lord Belzanok, Grizzlebrand, Cothoped, uh, the Soul Hoarder, and Razaketh, the Foul-Blooded. The cards that matter here are Razaketh, because that's 25 bucks and $70 for foils, 14,000 EDH rec, and uh, Grizzlebrand, who's at 10 bucks, $15 for the GP foils, Banned in EDH uh, and sees fringe modern play. Razaketh is the big winner here. So could you make money on just the Razaketh? You buy this for $40 for the foil or the foil etched. I don't think it matters a ton which way to go. I'm If you're trying to make the low, the low supply play, like I'm the only one who bought it, I think you go with the foil etched for this set because I don't think this set is particularly attractive to speculators and vendors. And I think that they will be turned off from etched because of them believing that nobody likes etched so my vote for the supply side play is the foil etched read the fine print yeah i am mostly in the, i guess if that if the, your angle is i want to buy the secret layer nobody else is buying and that's how i plan on getting there then yes the foil etched of this is a good choice but that's because this is not a interesting at all i guess the question is even if there aren't that many foil etched razakets out there is anyone still going to want them i i guess i mean i guess with pack foils at 70 dollars then even foil etched are going to be like would be 40 or 50 if they were available right now so there's Mm. there's another drop called monster anatomy 101 and this is kind of a weird one it's super weird kind of like biology textbook art in primary colors, blue, red, green, yellow, orange, like preschool colors. Fleet Swallower is in there, which is a card I didn't even know existed, but it's in 4,600 EDH rec decks, goes for $1.50, $4 in foil. Goblin Trash Master, 5,800 EDH rec, $2, $5 in foil. Ilhard the Raise Boar is the more one of the two more important ones. 9600 EDH rec, $11, $20 in foil. Of course, that just came out in War of the Spark, so this undercuts the potential growth there, potentially. 
And then Protean Hulk, which was unbanned in EDH a few years ago, uh, 10,000 EDH rec, $11, $24 in foil. And then there's Gishath, Sun's Avatar from the Ixalan series, 3,300 EDH rec as a commander, $19.40 for foils. So on paper, there's $84 in foil value here. And they offering up foil etched as, uh, which I suspect will look good with the way that they did this art. All of that said, I think I'm taking a pass on it because I don't want to guess my way into a result here. I think this is the kind of, this drop will be overlooked and it could end up being a supply side play, but I'm not going to try to play that particular angle on this game. Yeah, I mean, it's important to remember that when we're talking about this stuff, these like, oh, well, you know, the Prisoner's Dilemma Secret Layers, if you think this won't sell, then buy it because it'll be worth money. Like that, that only makes sense if, well, yeah, and it's like, if you have nothing better to do with your money and there's only so many opportunities every year to buy cards, then sure, that's true. But you could just not do that, buy the stuff that looks way, way better. And if we get a month you know, if after these hit the shelves a month later, it looks like there's no inventory, then you'd be like, you can go back and start buying them up because you realize what happened. Like that's an option as well. Well, you might uh, be able because, to buy Furies at 15 this month and sell them for 40 and three. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, right. You could do that. And what I'm saying is like uh, on stuff like the, the, the Liliana one and this one, which just seem like, eh, just pass on them. And then when they hit the shelves in like February, January or February, if there's not that much TCG inventory because people really didn't buy that many of them, then you can go, oh, these are the ones that people didn't buy any of. Let me snag some copies from the gaming company and so forth. And you can still make a play and you'll pay whatever, like 15% more than you would have if you just bought the secret layers up front. But you got the benefit of seeing how it played out rather than having to take a gamble. Uh, in the meantime, you're doing other stuff. So I, I agree that like this is these cards are like fine-ish, but like eh, whatever. The artwork is like kind of cool, but also still like and eh, whatever. And just not gonna bother with these. So the final drop is called Mirrodin Sanity, and it's all five original Mirrodin artifact lands in regular or foil with absolutely fantastic pixel art that will probably find a lot of support in gamer circles. These are super fantastic. They will get played alongside each other, minus Tree of Tales, because decks like Brea will run all four. And this is like strong upgrades for a Brea deck. And the Jeskai or Grixis-themed artifact builds will find reasons to run these as well. You're getting five really great foil versions of these cards these cards have never had are banned in modern so there's very limited places they can print them secret layer being the primary one these could go five years 10 years with other without another sexy printing easy because outside of secret layers there's basically nowhere that where it makes sense to put these into play so i suspect this is a fine buy for the foils they're both they're all ten thousand plus usage on EDH rack, I think, except for the green one. Again, seats, largely, seats at 25. Yeah. L- largely, largely driven by Brea colors again. And then, of course, Popper runs these too. 
so popper players may be into them as well now where i landed <laughs> where i landed at the end of all of this because you know popper players obnoxiously upgrade their decks sometimes and buck the entire trend of the format the you can get the foil ferocious foil bundle which gives you one of all of the foil options and i think you get the foil etched on top of it let me just double check that uh let me just see that bundle the ferocious foil bundle 279.99 instead of 329.99.92 retail and it gives you stranger things foil mirror insanity foil monster anatomy you get foil you basically etched. get yeah you basically get monster anatomy only came in foil etched. So the bonus you're getting is that in read the fine print, you're getting both the foil and foil etched. So if you believe that the monster anatomy and read the fine prints may end up underbought, then you're kind of getting them for free in here. And you might be able to get out clean on the whole thing. If you don't believe that narrative, if you think that the monster anatomy and read the fine prints might end up being dead weight, then just go ahead and go after whichever three or four of the strongest ones, the two monster movie ones, the, the Stranger Things, and I think the Mirrored Insanities seem best to you. And I think if you just go after foils of those, even though you're paying more per unit, if you believe there's dead weight down the bundle route, then you can dodge it by, by going singles. Yeah, so if you buy the foil, the Ferocious Foil bundle has eight, eight packages here yeah we said the good ones were secret layer the two movie ones and the mirror insanity which is so you basically get one for free four, because you're yeah, getting 15 percent savings there's eight bundles one out of eight is 12.5 percent. so you're getting one bun one of these drops for free and then you're questioning whether you're going to get out let's say that you get the etched foil read the fine print for free for zero that means you believe that you can get rid of all the rest of it profitably and that none of it's dead weight if that's not true if you think that those other two are dead weight dead weight then just buy regular foils and you're fine yeah so you get you get 170 like it's 170 bucks to buy the four good ones in foil secret layer the mm -hmm. two movies and the suit of synod so paying 100 bucks to get the other four eh. The stretch, right? the stretch. Yeah, that's a tough choice. I think I'm just going like for four copies of each of the other four. Yeah, yeah. And that'll be that'll work out to like eight hundred bucks spent or whatever that might turn into twelve or thirteen hundred after fees. Yeah, I wouldn't fault you for buying the full foil bundle, especially if you wanted some of this stuff for yourself, but. Sure. I mean, I'm not looking, I'm not like in need of places to spend $100 right now. Now, so, we, we should point out that there have been foil blueprint cards yeah. that have been showing up in secret layers lately. We have every reason to believe those are probably going to last for most of the year heading up to the Brothers War, because it seems like that's where that theming has been sourced from, the artwork. That was, a lot of artifacts, right? Yeah, and it's artwork that looks very much like the schematics that the brothers were drawing during the war. So I suspect we're going to see more of that in a year um, when that set comes out. So you can expect that stuff to add five or ten bucks to each of these. Now, you might get Jumpstart Foil Lands. You might get Leftover Planeswalkers from the War of the, Star War of the Spark uh, Stained Glass Planeswalkers. 
Hard to say for sure what's going to show up in these, but pretty safe bet that if you get a bundle, you're probably going to get, eh, on average, 20 or 30 in value. And you could do much better. Yeah. Yeah. I still think I want to buy the four. I think I'm with you. All right. But I think, and maybe you, maybe if you're really tempted, you buy one or two of the other ones for yourself. Um, I could see buying the showcase, Midnight Hunt showcase for yourself just to have them, but yeah, whatever. Okay, let's wrap this up. Bottom line, can- a pretty solid drop, super drop overall. There are some very tasty cards in here that are going to be in high demand. Um, I got one final point to make before before we sign off. There is a live action trailer that Magic the Gathering published on YouTube today, October 29th. Sorry, 19th. October 19th, 2021. Called Gather Your Greatness. And I wanted to talk about it today. We don't have time. So we'll talk about it next week. So your homework assignment is go look up Gather Your Greatness on premium, on YouTube. And be prepared to laugh along with us as we deconstruct this insane marketing by wizards that just got released <laughs> i i can't wait so clumsy <laughs> i cannot wait to discuss it all right where can our listeners find you james you guys can find me on twitter at mdg critic as well as via my occasional articles on mdgprice.com and my constant haunting of the mdg price pro trader community and i am on twitter at wizard bumpin b-u-m-p-i-n also like to remind our listeners to check out the mggprice.com Pro Trader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MGG finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool stuff in stock, including the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffing.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Uh, another good one in the books, and I know we said this last week, but the actual spoilers start this Friday, I think? Or early next week? No, it's, I think it's the 28th. Oh, is it 28th? So it's uh, a week Thursday. A lot of things happening in, like, the next week. You have, like, Dune coming out. (laughs) James Bond is soon. This is spoiled. There's a new path league. A lot of dates. Halloween. A lot of stuff going on. Um, So we'll find something to talk about, though, next week, I'm sure. Well, yeah. The trailer. (laughs) Definitely the trailer. Thank you, Travis, and we'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. (laughs) 